Hello and welcome to Fixing the Optical Problem, where we are trying to not contribute to the optical problem. I'm Zach Kastner, ABOAC, owner of Shorewood Opticians in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and your resident sloptician. Uh, joined as ever by Matthew Smith, otherwise known as That Glasses Guy, and owner of That Glasses Guy. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Zach. Absolutely wonderful. Happy to be here. Just had to slide in that resident optician. I thought we should add that in for people going forward that they know. <laughs> they should know the truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All I right. might get edited out. We'll see. It won't. It absolutely won't. You <laughs> broke me. Um, but yeah, so... We're going to talk about today and dive into the anti-reflective coatings of the optical world, why they are problematic across the board, or sometimes they're not, and some of the problems we face both on the optician side of it, as well as the problems they create for consumers. We all know you can get the, God, what is it, $30 these days for a lens and AR on Zenny, I think? Something like that. I think like so, that. yeah, something like that, or if not cheaper even, potentially. Yeah, um, so the problem there, of course, it's just a very mass produced, very cheap, very slung on AR. You're basically putting a lifetime on the lenses of six months to a year at mm -hmm. best. So we, you know, we avoid those in our practices at least, but you run into them sometimes. What's really surprising Absolutely. with that to me though, there are so much better just stock throw it in there options that exist, right? And that's not yeah. a significant price jump. So I don't understand, but you know, it is what it is. I'll let you talk about kind of the pros and cons of that for a minute. Uh, what, what, what do you look for in a coding, Zach, when you're selecting one? Because on our end, we've got the brand names, we've got the house-made labs. There's all sorts of different coding machines out there for the house-made options. So what, what do you look for in a good AR? Well, like everything that I do, I always base it on what the client is looking for. So I'm, I'm that problem optician. It's never a clear cut answer. This is what I use. This is what I buy. This is what I sell. Um, I wish it was, it'd be an easier answer, but it's not. So I personally, I prefer thermal coatings. So that's your undercoat. Takes a little longer, but typically they last a lot longer. And in my experience, they've looked better. I've had more consistent outcomes with them. The other thing that I'm looking for typically is oleophobics, which we will talk quite a bit about here in, in a few, just a few minutes. So oleophobic and hydrophobic. Um, and then I'm also paying attention to reflex color and how prominent the reflex is. So when I'm talking about reflex, I'm talking about with an anti-reflective, which I'm gonna bring these up to the camera because you can just see it a little bit on my lenses right now because I don't have my stuff all set up just as nice as Matt does. But I've got just a little bit of a blue reflex on these lenses. Um, and that just happens to be what I'm wearing today, but it's fairly faint. Um, that's what I look for. What about you, Matt? You, uh, you do a little more with AR than I do, I think, um, as far as different styles, different colors, different reflexes. I'm dabbling. I'm dabbling now. Yeah, it's a problem because I, I'm so particular about coordinating the reflex colors for kind of a cool look in the frames to get that nice cool cosmetic effect. So sometimes we want it a little bit icy, that nice blue, soft blue look. Sometimes we want the really strong blue reflex. And of course that reflex is like I was talking about earlier, the color of the appearance of the reflections on the lenses and how that works. 
So we can tune to some degree with some of the manufacturers, and this is where it gets to be problematic, right? Because you limit your choices if you want a specific color. There's not a lot of manufacturers that'll run just whatever color you want. Um, at present, I think we've got, what is it, four different choices with the lab we work with, Zach? Four or five? Four oh, AR colors or four choices? Oh, no, got colors. Reflex colors specifically. Yeah, because there's more underneath that. Uh, you've got the reddish, you've got the gold, the blue, the... And basically the colorless. Kind of that so, soft yeah. ice. And technically you've got the green there, but, you know, it's sort of like the gold you have to specify that's what you want i didn't know they did green what i yeah i think so it's one like that you limit your lens choice options with that they don't do the green in interesting house. okay okay I, yeah i because i just never run it if i need a green ar i typically go outside um, yeah. but that's pretty rare i'm not honestly that big of a fan of green ar overall see it's funny i've never been a green ar guy either and it's not anything in particular I just don't think it looks good in a lot of frames. And speaking to the light spectrum, right? If our eyes detect more green than anything. So by nature of a green reflection coating, you're gonna see that reflection more than the other options. Now, Matt, keep in mind, they do that <laughs> for a reason. Mm. Yeah, what, yeah, that's easy. The marketing easy to sell something, channel. you can see. You can yeah. sell something, you can God, see. how many times do we see that in the conversations? That's what company was that? Okay, we probably shouldn't call them out that harshly, but I know it's one specific company that said we did the marketing research. And when customers can't see that color on there, then they don't think they're getting something, right? You can't see it. So you you won't pay for it. You know, I'm inundated with so much marketing being in the industry uh, that that one is pretty sure just one I blocked out and it's just, <laughs> left, it's just left the brain. As um, it should be. Nobody wants to hear that. So that's, how do you tell a good AR match? That's, that's, a, that's something that consumers and opticians alike probably want to know. How can we differentiate between, you know, a really high quality AR, you know, something that's a decent workhorse one, something that's kind of junky, and what about something that's kind of junky, but parading as a really nice AR? How do we tell? Uh, most of them. I mean, I didn't say that out loud. Um, no, it's, it's an extreme challenge because most of this stuff happens under the hood, right? And we know there's different ways to apply and create an AR coding. Like the first one we talked about is essentially this, I don't want to say sprayed on because there is a way to do that, Will. But very, very old, the early AR coatings, they almost flake off the lenses just from being on there. The machines were sputter machines that they called them. So the old lab term for that was kind of the sputter AR coating. I don't remember the official name for this specific type of coating application, but it's pretty much what you see across the board on the cheap basic coatings. But there's no way to know that when you just kind of pick and touch up the lens unless you really bring it up to the light and start looking at it. You can see some of the way it's deposited. It's not regular across the surface of the lens. And that's one thing I like to look for. If I can pick up a lens and I can see how the coating is applied, either it's waves from a dip coating or kind of that spot deposition from these old sputter machines, it's not as uniform as what we see in some of the uh, particle and vacuum deposit chambers of some of the higher tier stuff. Zeiss is one of the first ones that was doing that nice vacuum chamber application with the ion bombardment on the back end of it to really pack the layers down and get that nice uniform match. But 
all of that goes out the window if it's not deposited on the right hard coating and material to begin with, which we didn't even touch on before. But we didn't talk about that, but I alluded to it when I was talking about a thermal coating because there's yep. thermal, there's UV. Those are the two that I mainly hear about. There might be others, but those are kind of the, the two most common in the industry, I believe. Yeah, and that affects actually how everything works, right? That, that determines your scratch resistance. That determines the bonding to the substrate of the coating. So even if you take the best coating and you put it on not a great substrate, you're going to still have problems with those. So we've seen before, even the highest tier coatings, I've seen it with Essilor, I've seen it with Zeiss, I've seen it with House, is you'll have a bad batch of thermal for a while and it affects the entire industry. You'll just have a run of bad ARs where they fail in six months and everybody knows they're going to have to replace them and that's just what happens. it goes. Yep. Yep. And that could be thousands of lenses, thousands of consumers that are... Oh, yeah. I, I remember one time back before I ran my practice, I was working at another shop. We were heavy Essilor which is part of why I don't love them as much today, right? I've seen that side of things, but they had a bad thermal batch and oh my God, it was at that shop, we were doing about a hundred jobs a month and it was a two month period. So we had to remake almost 200 jobs six months later on top of the normal work that was coming in. You want to talk about A, some mad people, but the frustration for working with that was a nightmare. I couldn't even imagine being on the labs end and having to deal with that. It's oh my goodness. You're just one practice. Think about all the yeah. other ones that got bad AR. Exactly. I am very fortunate in my career. I've never had that happen. Um, oh. Now, I did work for a big box store very early on. And if you've listened to some of our previous episodes, if not, pause now, go back. You'll hear a little bit more about that stuff. Welcome back. Thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for rejoining us. Um, and we did AR coatings in house. And I think it was in one of those kind of old sputter machines. And, you know, typically six months, a year later, we would always have flaking, especially right around the eye wire. It would just peel right off. And, or in the middle, you'd get these big, like, gaps of basically no AR coating anymore. Yep. I don't see that typically on uh, vacuum chamber ARs. So in the last couple of years, I see it very rarely on any lenses that I do, um, unless obviously it was a major defect or, you know, they were dipped in a acid bath. <laughs> we try not to do that. Don't clean your glasses with acid. So we've talked a little bit about how to tell a good AR. We've talked very briefly about reflex matching, which we're going to come back to here in a second. Um, I think we should talk about oleophobic properties and how they can sometimes be misleading. Just because something is really slick doesn't always mean it's a great coating. It just means that it's got a really, really slick top coating. And actually, that's probably something we should be touching on here too. AR, I saw that. AR is a stack in most instances. AR is not this coating that, and frankly, I don't even know that coating is a great term for it in many instances. It's not just like sprayed onto a lens in most instances. It's a layer of different minerals that basically we deposit, minerals and chemicals that we deposit onto a lens um, that form this stack and cause it to have the properties that we're looking for. So as Matt had mentioned, you've got your base hard coat or scratch coat, and then usually you've got the anti-reflective. Some of them have an anti-static property, which we can also talk about here in a minute. Um, and then you've got your oleophobic and hydrophobic properties at the very, very tippy top. 
which if you know anything about oilophobic and hydrophobic, every time you clean them, what happens, Matt? Um, you cry and scream about how hard it is to get the smudges off that you just put on there with your greasy fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, <laughs> it's just like polishing something, right? The more times you rub that surface, you are slowly wearing away at that top layer. It's super subtle. It's done on a micro level, but you are slowly taking bits and pieces of that off. So the super oleophobic and super hydrophobic coating being the topmost layers on there and basically creating your oil resistant and smudge resistant, dirt resistant layers, then you are just wearing that part off. Now, typically it doesn't happen quickly and the layers under that keep you from losing the coating entirely, of course, but that super, super slick top coat, you think of it like a wax on the car. It's only gonna last for so long before that's gone and you don't have that property there anymore. The finish is still intact. Everything's still working as it should, but it's not as slick as it once was, right? And something to keep in mind, too, around that is the nicer ones that are properly applied. They'll typically last longer. You know, your first six months, first year, it is going to be, like, so slick. It's like um, walking on ice, right? But as time goes on, they'll still be slick. You'll still have an easy time cleaning them. You know, and then year two rolls by, year three, year four which if year four is rolling by, you should probably be getting a new pair of glasses anyways, but we'll go into more of that when we talk about lens design sometime. And just yeah, that's a whole other challenges. Reason. That's a whole other deal. I'm not, we're not going on that tangent today. Um, but it, it'll slowly wear off through those years, but it'll still be effective. If you've got a real cheap standard AR on there, six months and that thing's gone and it's going to feel like just oily almost. The way that dirt particles stick to it, you almost have to like bathe the glasses to get them even remotely clean. Yeah, and that's the fun one as they age anyways, you start to get the oil build up around the rim, right? So that's where you've got the person I was mentioning earlier that is trying to clean their greasy smudgy fingerprints off and they can't do it because, well, actually the oil is all around the rim of the frame and some of these coatings are so slick, you're just pulling that right out no matter what you do. It's time to take it apart, clean them, throw them in the ultrasonic bath, get all the oils out of there and start fresh again. The little tip for opticians then is if you have someone who walks into your office with those really greasy, oily glasses, you will be their hero when you do their adjustment. Is if you pop those lenses out, you clean them real good, maybe a little alcohol, isopropyl around the edges, um, and drop that frame into the uh, ultrasonic cleaner and run it through for at least a cycle. Clean it out really, really good. And if you're a consumer listening to this, have your optician do it. Or if you have an at home, well, have your optician do it. I don't know that having, <laughs> doing it at home is a great idea because if you snap that lens out and you can't get it back in, you're going to be in trouble. So, but opticians, that's a great way to be their hero. Just clean those lenses properly. Don't just be another sloptician like me and just clean them up with a little spritz of spray and call it a day. You can do more, be better. But why? That's just smirking at me. Yeah, exactly. But why? <laughs> it's more work. Uh, and I do get it. I mean, you pay for the amount of effort and quality that goes into everything. If you're going into a mill where it's $70, $80 glasses or whatever it is, they rely on volume. It's harder to take an extra five or 10 minutes with everything that walks in the door. So I, I definitely understand it, but there's got to be a point where we've got to be like, look, this matters more than that. We, we've got to keep this in good shape and working. It's like a tune-up on a car. I'm going to keep going to cars today. I'm sorry. 
You, you can't That's just okay. drive the car for 50,000 miles and it not blow up, right? <laughs> You've got to align the tires. About? You've got to change the oil. <laughs> Don't you <Yeah>. dare. <laughs> Tune-ups and glasses, just like in cars, are very important. The good news is tuning up your glasses is typically a lot cheaper than tuning up your car. Ah, right? Mm -hmm. God, I think the tune-ups on my car cost more than some pairs of glass. Anyways, <laughs> I oh, broke Matthew. Zach. It's my turn to break somebody. <laughs> oh, Matthew. Oh, boy. So Maybe we'll have a car episode someday. <laughs> we'll, we'll let Matt just go and go full grease monkey on us and just... Oh. That could be fun. We'll have to get Tyler in for that one, though, because I'm sure he we'll has tag some me stories. Out. Yeah, no, no, we'll tag me out. He can just come in. He can run it for a little bit. I'll come <laughs> in next time. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you know, so. Been... You go what? ahead. You were, you were going to run okay. with something here. I want to hear Good it. Good boy. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to dive into the reflex coloration, so we kind of briefly mentioned that earlier. But what – does this actually have an effect on the lenses or is it really just a cosmetic thing, right? It's one of those things we kind of play with and balance. Does it make a difference? I mentioned briefly earlier that the green coatings are a little bit more noticeable just because our eyes are naturally tuned to pick up more green. That's what our eyes see the easiest. So overall, you know, the, the, Looking out of it, the optic side of it is not going to make a huge difference one way or the other. It's still going to be a really good clear coating that I see this debate all the time. I see it on my YouTube channel is I've done videos of the blue versus the green because they're kind of the two most common ones. These we work with, you get into the golds, the purples, the reds, the softer ice that's basically a non-color selective. Uh, <laughs> they're extremely hard to come by. Right? Even for us, it's hard to find labs that work with these other coatings because the process takes longer. Back to that, right? Everybody yeah. wants to get everything out as quick as they can and not have to deal with it anymore. And <laughs> it's not fun. Um, but, you know, you can tune these to look nicer with the frame. You can pull your green coating into a green frame if the situation is right. Or you can pick something you know, go with the blue to add a little bit of contrast to it. Love to add contrast. You've got a nice frame with silver notes in it. Obviously, you don't want to throw a blue. Well, you could throw a blue. It works. But more often than not, you want to do something that warms the lens up a little bit. So you can use the peachy or the red. So it's just that little subtle detail that almost nobody's going to notice. You're just going to see a nice pair of glasses that looks good. And it's like, that's different than what I see every day. Mm -hmm. But that's really cool. I get it all the time when I use the gold ones. People are, they, they don't understand what they're seeing because you've never seen a lens with this yellow gold warm reflection to it. It's, it's the one I get the most comments on on the back end. And I'm very selective on the frames I put it in because people do notice that one a little bit more, at least when they're looking at it. So Yeah, it, Matt and I both agree. Right. Oh, I'm going to cut him off for a second. Matt and I both agree that gold AR is superior in every single way, pretty much. Mm. It just looks so good. It's, it's, yeah, it's its own whole other beast. <laughs> if you can find a lab that does gold AR, whew, you will be in seventh heaven. I'm telling you. Yeah, you guys can't see, Zach, if you're listening to this on the podcast, but I'm positive he needs to wipe his chin a little bit here talking about the gold AR. I'm drooling. <laughs> I am. I am. Hey, pardon me a moment. No, it's great. It's phenomenal. 
you know, I, I just did, I just had a, a client who came in, she did four pairs of glasses, one sunglass um, and her three frames. You know, I, I don't think we're going to link it into this, but maybe we'll use it as a thumbnail or something. Matt and I will talk about it after the fact where we did, she had a kind of a stone colored titanium frame that I put the gold AR on. That looks really great. She did a silhouette that has the turquoise blue chassis pieces. So the three pieces of metal, for those of you who are not aware of what a chassis is, I did a, a turquoise AR on it. And then she brought me in a purplish, what was the brand, Matsuda, uh, that I did the kind of pinkish reddish AR on. Um, we'll see, maybe this will be the thumbnail that you'll know what we're talking about then. It just, she was blown away. I got a text message a couple hours later thanking me for basically taking the extra time and um, really customizing her lenses for her and what she was looking for. So it's again, you know, if, if you're able to take this extra time with people, you should, it, it makes a huge difference to them. It was an extra, you know, 30 seconds of my brain power to be like, oh, this will match nice. We should do that. But for her, I mean, she's just over the moon. So again, be better. That's going to be the Fixing the optical problem is all about being better. It's all about doing a little bit more. Absolutely. That's the goal at the end of the day. Just, you know, it's these tiny little things you can do to make a huge difference, both in the glasses you wear and as you're fitting glasses for others. You take an extra 10 seconds and say, hey, this is going to look nicer if we do this, or this is going to feel better if we do this, or, oh, no, you shouldn't buy those. That's my favorite one, but that's a whole other episode on its own, and we will do that very soon. The, the oh no don't buy those episode i'm looking forward to that yes. one that'll be fun that should Matt, be any fun. any closing thoughts we've been uh we've been running here for a few minutes now and i'm sure people <laughs> want to get back to their day a few minutes i think the ar we went way too far on but it happens right that's the point we want to have fun with this so no that's all i've got anything else i have just just gonna confuse people <laughs> matt being confusing never i've never heard of that happening <laughs> i confuse myself Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. You can find us on YouTube, clearly, uh, Fixing the Optical Problem. You can also find us on Google Podcasts, I believe. We're still working on some of the distribution problems here. So Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts, we are all fully up and running on, good to go. Looks like Google I'm still working on. Um, as I'm actually checking the feed while I'm looking at this, Google's still giving me some problems. Um, Leave us a comment, leave us a rating, you know, let us know what you think. Tell a friend. That's all fantastic. Matt, we can find you where? But you you can't find me anywhere except literally everywhere. All of the socials. Just type in that glasses guy and whatever your favorite browser is, something will pop up. <laughs> yep. You can find Matt at that glasses guy on his website. You can also find him on social media. He has quite the Instagram page that you guys should check out. And TikTok. <laughs> That's all for today, guys. Thank you.